I won't let you buy. Uh, Trying to be nice. Hey, I see a pretty girl back there that wasn't back there a while ago. Slipped in on me. Brought up another pretty girl with you, didn't you? Dressed alike, too. <laughs> I'm telling you. You're all right. I got to find somewhere where we are. Well, have your Bible this morning. Let's turn back to Romans, the 8th chapter. Yes, I got it on. Last week, uh, if you'll remember, if you were here, we talked about the law that reveals sin, the law that activates sin, and the law that brings recognition of the magnitude of sin. We see it, we realize we take part in it, and we realize how awful it is in God's eyes. God says, that we're sinners. And because we're sinners, we're therefore condemned. Folks, every human being in the world from Adam has deserved nothing but the flames of hell. But by the grace of God and His sacrifice, He's made it possible for us as human beings to have an eternal home in heaven. Verse 1 in this passage says, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's no condemnation for people who are in Jesus Christ. The saved folks don't need to worry, in other words. But we... Uh, we're going to look at today the, the liberating work of the Holy Spirit. It's God who does the work. It's us who surrender to the Lord. Without our surrender to God and telling Him that we realize who we are and we're sinners before Him, without us coming to that realization ourselves and admitting it, uh, we don't uh, have much of a chance. But that's what we have to do for God. Um, now we may all <laughs> we may all admit that we do things wrong, but it's hard for us to publicly make a statement to that effect. That's why I've seen so many people, from my perspective as a as a pastor, I've seen so many people holding on the back of a pew. Their knuckles will turn white because they don't want to turn loose and give up to God. They'll hold on to that sin, that power of the devil, and they'll never walk away from him. But uh, the only thing that's going to make a difference in their eternity is their relationship with Jesus Christ. They can have all the stuff there is here on this earth, and it means absolutely nothing. The liberating work is from the Holy Spirit. 
Look at verses 2 and 2 through 4. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sin, sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. To be genuinely in Christ, and that means genuinely saved, to have given our lives and our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Him, to be genuinely in Him, we're free from the law. The law has no effect over us anymore. Now, the Jews, you know, we have the Old Testament and they had the Ten Commandments. If you read the Old Testament, they had a lot more than just the Ten Commandments. They had subheadings under each one of those. They had hundreds of little nitpicking laws that they had to go by. And uh, if they broke them, they were guilty. And to be guilty meant they were condemned in the eyes of God. That's what they believed. That's why it was necessary for the system they had to be changed so radically in Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the law was what they lived by. And folks, I want to tell you something. There's not a human being on the face of this earth now or forever except Jesus Christ that could keep every letter of the law. The scripture describes it as jot and tittle. Jesus completely kept every commandment God gave in the scripture. Every one. Why? Because he's the one that gave it. He knew what it was, and he knew how to keep it, and he did as an example to mankind. Now, the man Jesus, in the physical form Jesus, he never did anything that we cannot do. We can always do what Jesus did, only by the power of the Holy Spirit, though. The same thing that empowered him to do what he did, to live a sinless life. Now, <laughs> Needless to say, we're not as good as Jesus. That just goes without saying. We're going to mess up every once in a while. Uh, some people mess up a whole lot more than others. I fall in that category, I think. It just, it's hard for me to make it through the day without uh, being ugly or something. Anyway, uh, to, be in, to be free from the law and free in Jesus Christ means that we're free from sin and death. The penalty of breaking God's law in the Old Testament was death, eternal death. The penalty of breaking God's law was eternal death. Well, folks, I want to know, I want to tell you something. It hadn't changed. The penalty for breaking God's law is eternal death. Now, what man could not do is live in perfection. And God, throughout the Old Testament, showed them they could not live in perfection, that their salvation depended on Him and Him alone. And man has always tried, for some reason or another, to be good enough, to do works good enough, to do whatever, to give enough money, to do enough whatever, in order to earn his way into heaven. There's absolutely nothing an individual can do to earn his way into heaven. Nothing. 
Jesus has done it all for us. We think that we can be from sin and death if we do certain things. If we, <laughs> y'all excuse me for picking on the Catholics. Sometimes I, I, I pick on them because they, they put so much stock in their rosary. They'll go and they'll bow to the Lord. And each one of those beads, they have something to say. They memorize all of that stuff. They think that, they think that relieves them from their guilt. Well, I want to tell you something. You can bow with a handful of beads or marbles or anything else. You can bow before the God and recite anything from a book you want to recite. Nothing. Nothing gets our sin forgiven like a contrite heart. If our heart is convicted and we with a heart that is stricken by God for righteousness, confess our sin before him and ask his forgiveness, he will. There's nothing else that we can do. There's no book we can read. There's no person we can talk to. There's no trip we can make. There's nothing that we can do to remove our sin except fall on our faces before God and ask him to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. And he'll do that. He promised us he would. That's who he is. And after we do that, verse 4 says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. We begin to walk in a new life. Folks, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you now. <laughs> I'm going to be blunt, okay? You see a lot of people that make professions of faith. They'll walk the aisle and they'll make professions of faith at a crusade meeting, at a revival meeting, at church, uh, but their life never changes. They keep on doing the same old thing they did. And they think that's okay. Well, according to what I read in Scripture, when anybody, it doesn't make any difference who they are, it can be a good man, it can be a bad man, uh, anywhere in between. If you get right with the Lord, your life changes. Our lives change. Now, if it's only to the point, uh, and I'll say this, if it's only to the point of our realization of our sin, not necessarily the stopping, but the conviction of our sin after we give our hearts to the Lord that eventually will lead us to the path of righteousness. Now, I know it's hard for a real sinful person, a reprobate man, we would call him, or a woman, person, to get straight with God after living so long in sin there are just so many things that the human mind convinces us is right. And God, God patiently works on us to get rid of some of that mess in our mind. He doesn't expect us to throw it all out and be like throwing the baby out with the wash. You know, he, he's not going to harm us. And a lot of times, folks, if you got rid of all of the sins in our lives at one time here on this earth, we'd be a wreck. We, think about it. There are probably little pet things we hold on to now even. And uh, we've, we've got to realize that God wants us now to walk in the Spirit and have nothing to do with the way of the world. 
If it's not in his plan, if it's not in his will, we don't need to even consider doing it. That's uh, as part of the Holy Spirit's liberating work in us. He liberates us to do these things. He sets us free. And uh, he also, the Holy Spirit has given us some liberating gifts. Uh, one of those things, if you look in verses 5 through 8 here, uh, in uh, chapter 8, let me get over here where I'm seeing. Uh, this is what it says. For those whose lives are according to the flesh, think about the things of the flesh. And though, but those lives are according to the Spirit. But those whose lives are according to the Spirit about the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit itself to God's law, for it is unable to do so. Those whose lives are in the flesh are unable to please God. Now, there are a lot of Christian people that I know that have attempted many times to uh, live their lives the way they want to, thinking that they've already been forgiven of all of the sins, past, present, and future. And folks, I'm, I won't argue with that, but I'm going to tell you this. The biggest deterrent to people coming to Jesus in these days, it seems to me so many times, are Christian people, church people, who live sinful lives according to what God's law is and don't think sinners aren't looking. They're watching. They're going to see and they'll know, well, that's not, that's not meaningful to you. You have, you have no sense of, uh, of shame or guilt or anything else when you do something wrong. So what's the point of me giving my life to Jesus? We, uh, we need to understand that uh, we, we no longer have a carnal mindset. Things change. This flesh's mind changes, and uh, now we're spiritually minded. We have life uh, eternal, and we have uh, abundant peace in our heart. We don't have to worry about eternity anymore. We don't have to worry about dying anymore. Now, <laughs> I'm like everybody else. I guess I don't look forward to dying. I don't look forward to the process. I don't, we don't know. I've seen a lot of people, a lot of Christian people, on their deathbeds in pain and agony in their physical body. These things happen, and we don't look forward to that. But, folks, I want to tell you something. I look forward to the deliverance that is God's. He's going to get us out of here one of these days. He's going to make everything all right. We're going to be fixed uh, eternally. And uh, now we ought to be, in, in our salvation, we ought to be spiritually minded and uh, realize that we have life and going to have peace. We have eternal life and we'll have eternal peace one of these days. In verses uh, that follow, 9 through 11, it says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be, if so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in him, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit 
is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We uh, are commanded as Christians when we accept Jesus to dwell in the spirit. Uh, and uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of the trouble we see in the church is because so many Christians are carnal. They're still uh, in the flesh, so to speak, and uh, don't do the things that they ought to do. We need to dwell in the Spirit and let the Holy Spirit control our lives. If there's any question in our mind and our heart about the things that we're about to do or that we're involved in doing, if we'll ask God, He'll tell us. If He wants us to quit, He'll let us know. And sometimes that's what we're afraid of. We don't want to know because we don't want to quit. If you haven't noticed, folks, human beings enjoy their sin. We do. We like those things. We don't get very much fun out of not doing them. But the most fun that we can have is with the Lord. And the most eternal fun we're going to have is certainly with Him. Now, we need to learn these things. We, when we get uh, saved and give a heart to Jesus, we, uh, we have a new obligation. We're no longer obligated to the world. But verse 12 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body. Ye shall live. We're, uh, <laughs> we're debtors to the giver of life, that's Jesus Christ. We are in debt to him. Now, we live in a day and time where we understand what debt is. We buy a car, we go in debt. We buy a house, we go in debt. Uh, we, it's no problem for us to go in debt. We just go to the bank, borrow money to do anything we want to do. We go in debt, we don't mind doing it. Folks used to work that way. <laughs> they didn't like to be in debt. And it's just, it hadn't been too many years since people just, they refused to go in debt. If they couldn't pay for it, they did without. Now, it's not that way anymore. We can borrow money up to here. Sometimes people borrow money up to here. And we, you get in, in a hole that we can't get out of. Well, you know, sin is the same way. <laughs> Sometimes we don't want to sin necessarily, but we do to make it easier on our lives. And it piles up and it piles up and piles up and the sin gets this deep. Well, now, what is the remedy for that? The remedy for that is to go before the Lord Jesus Christ and confess and repent. And he'll remove that sin. He'll, <laughs> he'll pay for our sin. He did that on Calvary a long time ago. He paid the debt that you and I owed. Can you imagine... I've, I've tried to imagine what it would be like, but I don't know how many of y'all have ever hit your finger or something with a hammer when you're driving a nail. Been there, done that. <laughs> I don't know how many of y'all ever been involved in an automobile accident like you got killed. Been there, done that. That's no fun. We, we don't like 
the pain that life offers us sometimes. And uh, we uh, need to understand that the eternal pain that is ours, that is coming to all sinners, all debtors that do not receive forgiveness of their debt in Jesus Christ, all sinners that die without forgiveness are going to have a horrible price to pay. Jesus has, for all of those who love him and have trusted him and given their hearts to him as a Savior, Jesus has paid our debt off. Now, he took that death with him to the cross. Think about that. What a Savior. When we sing these songs that we sing in church about what a Savior, we need to think about really what a Savior we have. My goodness, not only did he take my sin away and hang it on the cross with him, he took your sin and everybody that would accept him and trust him, he took their sin away from them. Folks, not only that, I believe he died for all of the sin of people that even rejected him. He died for the sin of man, period. That's a shame to leave an unclaimed, valuable prize unclaimed to go into eternity without it. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if we shall, if, if, through, if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. We're in debt to give our lives to Christ. We're swapping in our words. He saves us and we give him our lives. What a trade. That's a pretty good deal if you stop and think about it. Verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So that we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. That's, that's a good trade there, folks. I'm telling you. We need to understand that when we come to Jesus, we get a new identity. And I see a, I've seen a lot of people that it takes them a while to, to realize that, and some get it just right off. But you see a lot of people who are sinners that live a sinful life that get saved, and they don't change. Nothing changes. They don't even go to church. A lot of them won't. And some of them go to church maybe once in a while to worship the Lord. That's, uh, that's not the change of the heart that God's looking for. God wants our entirety, every fiber of every being of our lives, soul and everything else. 
He died for us to live with him. And there's not a speck, not one speck of anything that is not clean going to live in his presence. Nothing. Folks, we need to be aware of that. We need to live like that. We need to try to conduct ourselves that way. Now, we can't be perfect as human beings. We can't. That's why Jesus gave himself and shed his blood, that those of us who have accepted him as our Savior are covered by his blood. There's no sense in us acting like we're not. We, a lot of people think if, you know, if they make a profession of faith in Jesus, they can do anything they want to because he, he covers them. Well, if you make a profession of faith and he covers you, you don't want to do things like that anymore. That's the difference. The heart, the mind, and the desire that we have. Saved folks are Christ's adopted children. According to verse 14, uh, they're the sons of God. We are adopted into his family. <laughs> Can you imagine being in the family of God and uh, living with him uh, in heaven for an eternity? We're joint heirs with Christ. Can you imagine what the Son of God's <laughs> share in heaven is going to be? The Scripture says we're joint heirs with Him. We get to share in the same goodness and happiness. Now, if that be the case, we'll suffer for Him while we're here to be glorified with Him when we get rid of this life, when this life goes away. Folks, one of the problems with Christianity today is that so many folks that are church members don't want to live for Jesus. And uh, it takes a, a while sometimes for that to, to get in a person's mind that they need to live for Jesus. If they're going to be saved and claim Jesus, they need to live for Jesus. Uh, now, we uh, see that played out in life before us in a physical way sometimes with parents and children. Children ought to live their lives until they get grown and on their own uh, as their parents desire. And some do, some don't. That's life. That's an example of Christian life. We're birthed here on this earth for Jesus, for the Lord. And some do and some don't trust him, give their lives to him, and live for him. We call ourselves Christian. We're members of a church. We need to live for Jesus. We need to live for him every day. We need to show people that we are his and try our dead level best not to do anything to embarrass him or bring doubt to the fact that we are his. Now, I've heard people talk about folks that say, oh, he claims to be a Christian? Boy, I saw him out at the joint the other night, and he was drinking and living it up just like the rest of us. We don't need to do that. But too many do. We need to live for Jesus, be examples of his goodness, of his spirit of forgiveness and salvation. That's what we need to do. Uh, if we 
We'll live right, we will. Let's stand, we'll be dismissed. Huh? And we'll, yeah, we'll have our business meeting. I'll let you sit back down when we pray. <laughs> okay. If you can't get up and stand while we pray, that's all right. Be stay seated. All right. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the life of Jesus, his coming and living in perfection in this world. God, to shed his precious perfect blood for us. We pray that uh, we would accept him in truth and in spirit that we might live before the world and live for him before the world to bring others to know him. We thank you for your loving us. We thank you for this congregation and the Lord our membership here. We pray that you would bless us and guide us to do the things that you would have us to do. Uh, we pray that you would guide us as we have this time of business now, uh, and you would have your way, and you will. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you need to take a break, take one. If not, be seated. Yeah, and anybody needs to go.